Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Patrick Petrini has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Patrick. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And from the fringes of L.A. County, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. And, of course, Justin Robert Young on on a Tuesday instead of a Thursday because he has a top five comedy album out today with our other guest on today's show, Mr. Brian Brushwood, host of Night Attack on the Road. Some facts over here. First of all, it's the number one comedy album. It was a top five all albums on iTunes for temporarily number three but the point is uh, yes we 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 finally both made it it was a big thing when we we had this album coming out it was like hey justin you know what's the thing we've never done before is showing up like as a duo like either one or the other of us goes on things finally we're doing it together yeah uh, and I'm, I'm 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 super proud of the album i think it's great all's well a night attack album available now we'll talk a little bit more about it but, yeah we're, uh, we're going to talk to these guys a little bit about the things they had to go through to get an independent album out on the internet. They've, this is, they've been doing this more than once. This isn't their first time through. So we'll learn from them in a bit. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Sources tell the Wall Street Journal that Apple may drop LCDs altogether from the iPhone line next year in favor of OLED screens and will also reportedly be launching a 5G iPhone in 2020. However, the company is still expected to release an LCD screen successor to the 10R later this year. The Wall Street Journal sources say Foxconn is considering moving the iPhone's manufacturing to India. Foxconn chairman uh, chairman 20 yeah, Terry Goo supposedly plans to visit India to research the idea. Apple already produces its iPhone SE in India in order to help it navigate laws requiring retail stores to stock a percentage of goods manufactured inside the country. Foxconn supposedly wants to make sure it can find enough skilled workers 
and the appropriate infrastructure. And then they, it might be good to just move it to India anyway. That's the growth market. China's sort of topping out. Microsoft introduced a range of Windows 10 devices for the education market, including two-in-ones and laptops from Acer, Dell, and Lenovo, all around $300. Lenovo actually announced its 100E, now available for $189, so these are some cheap laptops. Microsoft also introduced the Microsoft Classroom Pen with a hardened tip and replacement tip and a slot for tethering to devices for classrooms that are kind of hard on this stuff. It'll ship with the Surface Go in all markets in February and also sell in packs of 20 to schools for about $40 per pen. Microsoft also announced it's giving CodeJumper, its project to teach programming to visually impaired students, to the American Printing House for the Blind to implement. The Michigan Economic Development Corporation approved an $8 million grant for Waymo and Magna to build a manufacturing facility for autonomous cars. The goal is to move into a facility somewhere in southeast Michigan by mid-year and prepare to make level four vehicles. Waymo has supplier partnerships with both Fiat Chrysler and Jaguar Land Rover. And uh, right before the show, the U.S. Department of Justice affirmed it will seek extradition of Huawei's chief financial officer, Meng Wanzhou. She is accused of misrepresenting links to a firm that tried to sell equipment to Iran in violation of U.S. sanctions. U.S. has until January 30th to file a formal request for extradition. And after that's done, Canada has 30 days to determine if there is enough evidence to justify the extradition. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Netflix. Yeah, we know Roma got 10 nominations for Oscars, but that's not what we're going to talk about, is it, Justin? No, Politico reports Netflix is in advanced talks to join the Motion Picture Association of America. The MPAA is currently made up of Disney, Paramount, Sony Universal, Warner Brothers, and Fox, although Fox will leave when Disney finishes its deal to acquire it. According to Politico, bringing companies like Netflix into the fold has been a goal of the MPAA uh, CEO, Charles Rivkin, who took over the association in September of 2017. So yeah. I know it's, it's a goal of the MPAA, but what does it do for Netflix? Oh, it, it gets them into the power structure. I mean, the, look, uh, Netflix has been on the outside looking in because of all of these movie studios relationships with movie theaters. Uh, uh, that That is the thing that stops every element of Netflix getting rewarded for uh, motion picture awards and, and, and stuff like that. So the more that they are a part of the workaday element of this process, the more that they are uh, better off in terms of rewarding talent and producers with what they want. The, I suppose the, so. At the same time, I, I wonder how much Netflix itself, which obviously makes a lot of money and has only grown year over year, cares about the old guard. I understand the directors and producers, sure, uh, because we're still working within a system. But yeah, I don't know. I could be wrong. The MPAA so, as existing studios want to keep Netflix from tearing up the ground with the theaters. They want to put pressure on the theaters too, though. So yes, you're right. It's it, it's definitely to the advantage of these studios. Netflix is withdrawing itself from the Internet Association and entering this because they want to be seen as an entertainment company. They, they want to be seen as a studio, and they want to come to the theaters not as a startup, an outsider. They want to come to the theaters saying, hey, we've got five other friends with us. Uh, you need to agree to a smaller window for our movies and theaters. Remember, Roma was one of the first movies where Netflix said, fine, we'll give you a small window of exclusivity in theaters. We're just not going to agree to 90 days. So they, they've showed that they're willing to compromise now. Uh, and, and I think they want that extra leverage of, you know, we got some friends with us too. 
This is also a good time to remember that the MPAA exists because it was a preemptive strike on government intervention about who could see what kind of movie and what kind of situation. The idea was let's self-police before the government has the opportunity to come in and tell us what kind of movies, what kind of stories we can and can't tell. So in that regard, if uh, if they were to exclude Netflix, Netflix's only move would be to maybe spend a few money on some lobbying dollars and make a lot of trouble for the MPAA. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, unsolicited plug. This film is not yet rated as a great first half of a documentary before they start dumpster diving and doxing people. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, the French data protection watchdog CNIL issued its first GDPR fine, citing Google 50 million euros. The fine comes from the onboarding process when setting up a new Android phone. The regulatory body found the process lacks transparency as Google uses intentionally quote, broad and obscure, uh, end quote, language, and requires clicking through five to six links to find out how information is used to personalize ads. CNIL also found that Google broke GDPR data consent rules by not providing specific and unambiguous consent options and pre-taking an agreement to its privacy policy. The fine stems from a May 2018 complaint from the nonprofit NOYD or NOID. Mm, you can't avoid the NOID. I think it's NOIB. <laughs> Actually, oh, uh, well, I guess you can't, can't avoid the noib either. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, apparently you can. You just call it noid. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it stands for none of your business. That's, that's ah, noib. Because it, they, they're it. they're trying to be uh they're they're trying to be privacy oriented here. This is a this is a precedent though. This is definitely the first test of. Okay, there's that vague language in the GDPR that says you've got to make this understandable to people. And a lot of folks have looked at this as hope for the future that terms of service could be made understandable to people instead of burying things in miles and miles of legal text. Uh, and the French Data Protection Watchdog uh, coming up on the side of the consumer saying, yeah, we know technically you followed the rules here, but it's not easy enough for people to see what their choices are. You can't bury it down in the menus. You can't pre-tick options. You got to make, give it a, make it a real choice. Uh, well, and euros, not that much of a fine though. That's a slap on the wrist. When it's Google, of course you say, well, Google doesn't care about 50 million euros. And no, that's true. Google can afford it, but it does help behavior change for smaller companies, for Google that, you know, the entire industry, if you're going to get your hand slapped repeatedly, by again having having these practices that are misleading consumers, as as CNIL CNIL found, it it does change the behavior over time. Google may not care about fifty million, but they sure care about precedent for the GDPR. They and sure a do. A lot of these companies. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. 
Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Companies uh, uh, do as well, and they should. South China Morning Post has an article about China's free trade zone on Hainan Island, south of Hong Kong. Uh, it's kind of right off the coast uh, east of Vietnam. Tech startups there can get free rent, reduced taxes, easier visa policies for their workers. That that island already has a tourist visa where you basically don't need a visa. You can, you can visit that island for 30 days without a visa, even if you're coming from the U.S., U.K., etc., as well as access to government-backed funding. Microsoft and Singapore's Temasek, Temasek backs Alibaba and Tencent, so they, they have some interest in China, have both agreed to develop the island, and talks are underway with IBM and SAP to establish Asian regional headquarters there. Huobi Group, one of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges, moved its operations center to the island's blockchain pilot zone earlier last year. The free trade zone was ordered in April 2018 and will be fully operational by 2020. Alibaba's Jack Ma compared Hainan to Hong Kong as a modern version of Hong Kong, a digital free trade port, though companies still have to register with the government. They still have to file documents with multiple government agencies. It's it's not as free as the free trade port uh, might be. But I've, I found this just a, an interesting concept that, you know, China has about a dozen of these free trade zones. Uh, I think Shanghai probably being one of the most famous, but making one on an island near Hong Kong as sort of an alternate, alternate Hong Kong where they say, hey, bunch of rules aren't going to apply. We're going to make it easier to start up is something to keep an eye on. Sure. I mean, kind of seems like China trying to have their cake and eat it too. But uh, uh, look, if, if the way that you can spur economic uh, development in your country is by openly allowing people to ignore your laws, <laughs> uh, uh, God bless you. Well, it's, you know, one country, two systems with them in Hong Kong. Now it could be one country, two and a half systems with, with Hainan. But like I said, they have, they have other free trade zones like this where they say, hey, we'll make it easy for foreign companies to come in and operate here as long as they just operate here and not throughout the rest. I, I think what Justin's saying between the lines is, and I think we all agree with this, is that season three of The Wire was the best when Hamsterdam was a fantastic idea, just a little bit outside of what's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, and whoever's in charge of it better be careful if it's too successful. Sure. WhatsApp's Vice President for Policy and Communications, Victoria Grand, announced that going forward, all users would be limited to forwarding messages to a maximum of five recipients. The move is an attempt to limit the spread of misinformation and rumors and is a global expansion of what the company rolled out in India in July. Previously, forwards could be sent to up to 20 recipients. Uh, uh, this is, of course, coming from the fact that there were uh, issues where uh, you know, rumors about somebody being, uh, you know, having committed a heinous crime would spread virally on, on platforms like WhatsApp that would 
uh, could often result in deaths in some cases. Yeah, no, there were lynchings in India, uh, and and it was largely attributed to communications on WhatsApp. And WhatsApp stepped up there with full page ads in the papers and implementing these controls to try to reduce the effect. It, it, to me, and we've been covering this on DTNS. So if you've been listening to DTNS, you're you're familiar with what was going on in India already. To me, WhatsApp is doing a much better job than their parent company at dealing with these sort of issues. Maybe because they have less light shine directly upon them in most parts of the world, but figuring out how to dissuade behaviors with universal rules rather than than sort of pasting on a bunch of reviews and and weird things like Facebook does. I don't know. This seems to me like it's it's a it's a solution to a problem that is not actually a solution. So the problem is that people are spreading misinformation and fake news. So if you can, if you can share some, some bogus article with 20 people and now you can only share it with five. Okay. It's going to make things spread less rapidly, but it doesn't change the inherent problem itself. But they did it in it. This is why I like it. They did it in India and saw that it had an effect. So it it does work. They they, they want to step on that electric moment when you need to do something now and you need to spread it now and we need to go and kill this guy right now and that that mob is going to get so big that law enforcement can't do anything with it and if this is a if this is a slight uh, crippling of a feature that can put just that little bit of a break on those moments then i can yeah. understand why they're going to do it because look the the trend both in america and worldwide is putting more uh, uh, onus and responsibility on the platforms that are facilitating this. So I don't blame them for doing it. And the bad actors, uh, there were bad actors who just wanted clicks uh, and would spread these messages uh, massively like spam. And now they can't do that because they can only spread to five at a time. Like for example, if you were going to spread to five people at a time, that All's Well and Night Attack album was available on iTunes. would That would be okay, but you'd only still only be able to send it to five. Wow. Yeah. Reverse the rule. Not 20. <laughs> Too much virality. <laughs> okay, this is a great story, guys. Uh, back in Italy, a project involving Cremona, this is a city in, in Italy's Museo de Violino, uh, Violin Museum, is attempting to record notes from each Stradivarius, that's a type of violin, in its collection to preserve it for future generations. After a certain age, these violins have an irreproducible tone become too fragile to be played. So they have a shelf life. So four musicians will play sounds from two violins, a viola and a cello, for eight hours a day, six days a week, for one month. They'll be recorded by 32 ultra-sensitive microphones and stored in the Stradivarius Sound Bank. Uh, Cremona's mayor, who is also president of the Stradivarius Foundation, so... Um, obviously a violin um, enthusiast, has ordered the streets around the museum to be closed and also asked the people of Cremona not to make noise during the day. Former DJ Leonardo Tedeschi had the idea for the project and also thanks to KV87 for bringing this to our attention in our subreddit. Uh, this is one of those times when the New York Times did a great job with, with with their article. They start with a woman in a coffee shop in the area that's been asked to be quiet, accidentally breaking a glass. And they end the story with the fact that the folks recording this noticed <laughs> that that glass oh, had been dropped wow. in that coffee shop a couple blocks away. Wow. Yeah, ultra-sensitive microphones, indeed. Yeah, and uh, th- this is a great use of digital technology for historical preservation. I mean, these violins, 
are 500 years old in some points, uh, in some parts, cannot be reproduced. Nobody can figure out what makes a Stradivarius different. And so there is no way to reproduce them after they become too fragile. And eventually they'll all be too fragile. But if you record it the way they're recording it, they not only be able to share that tone with people, but also be able to let people play it electronically by reproducing those sounds. Man. Worth noting that there have been double-blind experiments in which people attempted to figure out whether or not there's truly something magical about a Stradivarius versus uh, a currently made uh, a viola or, or cello or whatever, and, and nobody's been able to reproduce any kind of, like, once you go double-blind, uh, 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 forget it, it's time. That's, that's what they say. That's the old saying right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, what's interesting is uh, it was a DJ who had the idea for the project because that's what DJs do. They take – when you sample sounds, they actually do this with high-end synthesizers. You can get a Steinway piano in a, in a core keyboard because you can buy and download the sample set and reproduce it, you know, and you map it to the keyboard. Essentially, this is what they want to do with the Stradivarius. But it's, it's interesting that it took, like, a DJ to kind of kickstart it, even though the oh, technology has sure. been yeah. around for like more than a decade. Yeah. So finally we'll be able to get that 400-year-old Stradivarius loops on on the new Migos. <laughs> okay, look for it on SoundCloud <laughs> too. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day to five, five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Now they didn't use 32 ultra-sensitive microphones. They didn't have to shut down traffic in Austin, but these two fine <laughs> gentlemen joining us today have created is this your fifth comedy album is that right fifth comedy album uh this hopefully will be the third that debuts at number one on the billboard comedy charts uh and it is the first that includes uh i think either 50 50 or or majority music uh yeah certainly uh certainly the majority of everything that's good about this album uh, was not created <laughs> by justin and, and i right like i think we can verify that but 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 this is um this feels more alchemy than science, right? Because the rules are a constantly shifting landscape. Somewhere is an institution, uh, multiple institutions. Some are emerging, like the iTunes Store or the Amazon charts, or uh, uh, let's say, let's say in the uh, literary world, the Wall Street Journal top ten or the New York Times bestseller list or whatever. The, like everybody is trying to pledge and wave their hands and say, "Here lies legitimacy." But they don't want to say we're the kingmakers who are deciding this stuff. And so folks who are creatives like just Robert Young and myself are constantly left trying to figure out like, uh, OK, so what matters? A lot of people buying it. Uh, let's try figuring out a way to get a lot of people to buy it. And then uh, and then they say, OK, well, from now on, now there you can't give away for two cents. Uh, you have to charge a bigger amount. It's like, great. OK. Uh, let's work this out. What are we looking for here? Yeah, yeah. So, so even though there's not, this isn't a how to tell us some of the things that you have done that seem to have worked. Well, here is the first thing that now that we've seen that this has had, and just for the record, at least on day one, this has had far more traction than I think anything that we have done on iTunes at the very least has. Uh, we'll see how that translates going forward. But for, uh, uh, for, for all's well, we, we did, we kind of went back to a strategy. This is the first thing that we have, the first album that we've come out in a little while that would technically be considered a single album. It is under 50 minutes. So therefore it would not be considered a double album, mm. uh, which means that we could charge the lowest that billboard will allow, which is a dollar 99. That is, that is the bargain basement price. What we think at least 
hours into understanding that we had a lot more traction than we thought we did is part of the secret sauce is that now this is the first time that we've released something while streaming was the dominant way that people get music. And so $1.99 is a bit of a no brainer price. If you want to support us that you you're like, all right, well I'll buy it and then I'll just listen to it on Spotify. So you get, you get double, you get double support. You get double count from that because you had somebody who wanted to spend it to help you guys out, but then also is contributing streams that also count towards the ranking as well. Yeah. Uh, if we say, Hey, look, uh, we're, uh, it takes, according to billboard, it takes like anywhere between seven and 20, uh, streams to count as a full album download. You can cheat and get that for a dollar 99. So play, you know, pay your dollar 99 tax and then listen to it wherever you want. Now, somebody yeah. in the chat room has already pointed out because, uh, folks love to point things out, uh, that it's not dollar 99 everywhere, but that's part of the problem in the agility of these stores. I- explain a little bit about that. Well, the, uh, so uh, some of the stores, you have to post it officially, then alter the price to whatever the price you want it to be. Like there's a default price that has to be altered after the fact. Uh, of them, as best we understand, you know, the big three are Google Play, uh, Amazon, and, and iTunes. Uh, iTunes is the only of the three that will launch at exactly the price that you would say we would like to launch at this price. So meanwhile, we find ourselves in this weird lag between, you know, like, like, uh, hurry up, Amazon, we'd love for you to get the price right. Hurry up, uh, uh, Google Play, uh, on and on we go. But an artifact of that is absent either of those other channels. There are people who say, okay, I hate iTunes, I hate Apple, I hate everything, but... I'm excited for this moment, and if I have to do something, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my dollar ninety nine to this one platform, and as a result, not only like we've had multiple albums launch at number one on the comedy charts. I don't know, Justin, that we've ever gone uh, yeah. this stratospheric in, in the general charts before. No, yeah, no, we have we have we have never seen uh, uh, this kind of, of of traction, and part of that is. You know, uh, uh, the the fact that Google and Amazon don't make their money on music, by and large. They have great music stores, but they both run off the same back end that you then have to get in touch with somebody at Google and Amazon who then have to take the deliberate step for them to not make as much money as they would if it were listed at $9. Why, why can't you just list it at the price you want to list it at? Is it, they just don't give you that option? No, no. Uh, they have to get it. And then they have to go and change it. And that's just a, again, it's because Amazon doesn't do a lot of music sales comparably to other stuff that they do. For Apple, music has, since the era of Steve Jobs, been very important. The the iTunes store was very important in getting the Apple brand out to people who are Windows users and stuff like that. So they have built a very agile uh, platform. So here is strangely one of the benefits to the way everything has unfolded because if, let's say, in an alternate universe, all three platforms had done exactly what we wanted and launched at $1.99, we might have a bit of a complication of, say, just telling everybody, everybody buy it. It's $1.99 everywhere. But by virtue of some people being good about launching at the intended price and others not, now we have a very simple story that has resulted in on one pr- on exactly one platform is where everybody's diverting their efforts. And so now, you know, the fact that we hit number three out of all albums full stop on iTunes and guess what? Here's the best part. Tomorrow, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not technically a wizard or a mentalist, but I'm going to guess 
that if uh, if Amazon were to finally get the price set right, then all of a sudden we would be handed a new narrative of like, finally, now you can buy it on the other place. Yeah. And, and now we'll see a similar version of what we've already seen so far today. Uh, and that's and that's the biggest thing is in a world where there's no monoculture and everything that you see is what you surround yourself with, then the idea of us charging into the void and and upsetting the Apple cart on like the new future album we're, we, or we're the Amazon or Google cart future album right uh, on 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 iTunes uh, and and we will I mean unfortunately uh, uh, the way that CD Baby categorizes things uh we uh just had to list ourselves as spoken word that was the first thing is cd baby says okay well what kind of genre are you and it's country rap rock and roll yeah. i mean it's called cd baby yeah a huge surprise they would be limited so, so we had to be spoken word and then a subsection of that is comedy so when amazon gets it and again amazon just gets this one gigantic big back-end feed that then they are using their own algorithms to sort out. We are not a comedy album on Amazon. We are a spoken word album. Because they don't dig down a level? Because uh, just the way that... Yeah, yeah. The way that that system works. And so we had the very, very, very uh, weird sensation uh, uh, yesterday as we realized, we looked on, on where we were trending on the spoken word charts... And found out that we had displaced Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech <laughs> on Martin wow. King Day. It's a complicated really? feeling. Yeah, <laughs> comedy category at that moment. I really, really wish they would have been a little bit better about this. This is not. It's like, yay, no, boo, boo to us. <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed. I apologize. <laughs> Well, you know who I'm not going to apologize for? Everyone who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on others. It's a lot of fun. DailyTechNewsShow.reddit.com. Get in there as soon as the show's over and see how, I don't know, meet a friend. We, If you also want to hang out on Facebook, you don't have to choose between the two. You can hang out in both places. Facebook.com slash groups slash DailyTechNewsShow is where to go. And then send us an email at feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com and Sarah will read it like this one. Perhaps, yes. Norm from the Central Valley in California had some thoughts on our discussion, which I missed because I wasn't on the show on Friday. And I'm bummed because it was with Nicole Lee about food tech. And Nicole has a lot of thoughts about that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a theme that we all enjoy. Norm says, while bringing up the Instant Pot, adding voice support may be a benefit to some people. I think the broader trend of technological melding with cooking is very interesting. I have a non-connected Instant Pot. And it took until this segment to realize I don't own a cookbook for it. I just use the internet to find recipes. I think Nicole brought up the June oven, but surprised there wasn't any mention of the biggest trend that I have noticed, the sous vide cookers. While the Instant Pots are trying to serve many masters, sous vide seems to be trying to give the amateur a professional tool. On a side note, I got one for Christmas, and I'm underwhelmed so far. <laughs> I don't think that the sous vide really works with connectivity, as the circulator needs to consistently keep the temperature constant. And in a broader technological trend, I think there was something last year about blockchain helping track food to aid 
uh, in tracking as well. Sounds like there's enough stuff happening with food to start up a DTNS lab. Uh, if only we still did DTNS labs. Uh, get us to that next milestone. Maybe we'll, we'll start it back up. Uh, but uh, sous vide uh, uh, actually been around for, for years. I mean, it's been around for a lot of years. But as a tech trend, I, I remember uh, hearing about it at, at a dinner at CES uh, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, de- definitely something that uses the app. Doesn't sound like Norm actually uh, likes the connectivity of his, but I, 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 I reject Norm. I reject <laughs> Norm. I, I had a, I had a sous vide cooked rare half a steak before I came on here today. And let me tell you what, uh, having a Bluetooth connected sous vide machine that lets me know when I got to go take that thing right out at the exact second that it needs to be taken out and when it's heated up was it is and, and was a delight. It, it, did you feel it was perfectly cooked? Yeah. I mean, certainly better yeah. than I would cook by myself. Sure. Yeah. Steak for lunch. You're living a good life. Loving it. <laughs> Thanks to Justin Robert Young and Brian Rushwood for being with us. What a treat. I can't remember the last oh time God. both of you were on DTNS together. Uh, congratulations on uh, climbing the charts of Billboard. Let folks know where they can keep up with all of your work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you can please uh, <laughs> head on over to nightattack.tv slash album. That's probably the easiest way where you can go ahead and just click on that iTunes link and uh, and go there. If you're listening to this right now on Tuesday or Wednesday, then please go to iTunes. Uh, if, if that is uh, to your taste, we would greatly appreciate you kind of keeping the heat on this album. We are, are, are really far up the charts and uh, uh, time is of the essence uh, as soon as. The Amazon and Google Play stores uh, change their prices. We will be the first to let you know at Night Attack Show on Twitter. Go get it, folks. Uh, and support us on Patreon. If you're not supporting us on Patreon, you're missing out. Uh, there's columns from Roger. There's audio uh, commentaries from me that that we give as perks to the patrons. And in fact, people who stay with our top tiers for three months right now uh, get merchandise with Len Peralta's five-year anniversary art on it, celebrating five years of Daily Tech News Show. Advisor-level folks get a poster. Master-level folks get a mug. You can find out all the details at patreon.com slash DTNS slash Merch. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We love your feedback. Please keep it coming. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us, please do. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> 
Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.